Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. Jesus healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed, and they asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Anyone who is not with me opposes me, and anyone who is not working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how... How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. May God bless the reading from his word this morning. I'm going to be focusing very much on the final verses of that passage this morning and really zero in on the last couple of verses. But I wanted to read the whole whole passage to just give some context to what Jesus is saying to us. Jesus has healed a man who was both blind and deaf, gave him his sight, gave him his hearing, and the people are amazed. And they're beginning to realize this is the son of David. This is God's promised Messiah. But not so, the Pharisees. They accuse Jesus of getting his power from Satan. The message translation reads, black magic, they're saying to themselves. Some devil trick he's pulled from his sleeve. William Barclay says how these religious leaders, these are teachers of God's word, had just spoken the most terrible words. They had looked on the Son of God and called him an ally of the devil. 
So Jesus confronts them. A country divided by civil war is doomed, he says. A town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. We could do a whole sermon on that sentence. And Satan casting out Satan? Well, he says, you have your own exorcists who are casting out demons so they can condemn the words that you're saying. And then a powerful sentence. Anyone who is not with me opposes me. Anyone who is not working with me is actually working against me. Again, a complete sermon in that one sentence. With Jesus, there is no middle ground. There's no sitting on the fence. Are we with him or are we not? Two choices and only two. And then Jesus says that every sin and every blasphemy can be forgiven except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That will not be forgiven. And sometimes we wonder what that means. That is a sin that is a, a deliberate refusal to acknowledge God's power in Christ. It's a constant rejecting when the Holy Spirit is trying to prompt us. And the Holy Spirit is the only force that can lead us to repentance and restoration to God. It's like a man who dies, not from the illness or disease, but by refusing to take the remedy that the doctor has told him will save his life. So it's simply a, a realistic statement that Jesus is saying. If we refuse to acknowledge the Holy Spirit, we cannot be forgiven. We cannot know a relationship with the Lord because we're denying the Holy Spirit who can do that work in our lives and make it possible. Then Jesus expands even further. He zeroes in on the good and the evil that result from the condition of our hearts. It's some simple algebra in our Bible. A good tree equals good fruit. A bad tree equals bad fruit. A treasury of good things in our hearts, in a good heart, or a treasury of bad things in an evil heart equals what we do and what we say. One always equals the other. And then Jesus zeroes in just a little bit more, and he talks about our idle words. He says we will be called to give an account for every idle word we speak, acquitted or condemned by our words. I don't know about you, but that's an ouch statement. I can often run off at the mouth like a soup sandwich. And I'll go home and I'll think, oh, why did I say that? Why did that come out of my mouth? I'm sure, yes, I see the nods. You're with me on that. We often think that our words come just from our minds. If I hadn't thought that, I wouldn't have said that. And they do. We're supposed to take every thought captive. The Bible tells us that. But it goes right back to the heart condition, does it not? The rabbis used to say, we require his mouth and his heart to be the same. So we don't pray, Lord, would you clean up my words to make my heart right? We say, Lord, change my heart so that my words and everything else will fall into place. So what I'd like to do this morning is make this message very positive. Let's be acquitted by good words that we speak. I gave a devotional a week ago on Friday to the men's group and their spouses, and it was on the topic of encouraging one another with good words, and I told them there was going to be some overlap to this morning's message. Paul, when he wrote to the Thessalonian people, said, encourage each other 
build each other up. And Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Tall order for us. And I'm also using a book this morning by John Maxwell, a much-loved Christian writer and speaker. He wrote a book entitled Encouragement Changes Everything. And I bought it in memory of a woman who was such an encourager to me as her pastor. Maxwell, in his book, asks the question, do you know how you can identify someone who needs encouragement? So I'm going to ask us that question. How would you identify someone who needs encouragement? Give me some answers. They look sad. How would you identify someone who needs encouragement? Are oh, you all being shy this morning? The answer is that that person is breathing. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever there is a human breathing person, there's an opportunity for encouraging words of kindness. Encouraging people works very much like an elevator principle. Get in the elevator with us and we can either take them up or we can take them down. And we've all been on that elevator, haven't we? They say it takes six positive statements to overcome just one negative one. I really thought the number was much higher. And Maxwell tells us to do the math. He says we can either add or we can subtract by encouragement or discouraging someone. And we can multiply. That's even more than the adding. When we mentor, when we help someone learn something, help them to learn and grow. Or we can be dividers, tearing them apart. As an example of being a divider, there was a company that made large equipment for moving earth, landscaping, excavating, and so on. And they had a scraper. And it was known as the Model G. And one day the salesman was asked what the G stood for. And thinking on his feet, he said, oh, the G stands for gossip. Because like gossip, this machine moves a lot of dirt and it moves it fast. Gossip divides people's lives. So add, subtract, multiply, divide. Who are you? Who am I? When we do the math. Let me share with you a story of Sir Ernest Shackleton. Shackleton had the first land crossing of Antarctica. But his ship, his ship was called the Endurance, no less, got stuck in icy waters for months, and eventually that ship sank. And he and his crew of 27 were stranded 1,200 miles from civilization. Eventually, they got to a small island. They only had a few lifeboats and a few tents and limited provisions. And they got to this small island and they waited while Shackleton and just a couple of his men took one of those lifeboats and went 800 miles over tumultuous seas to a whaling station. And all 27 men survived that ordeal of some 18 months. I'd like to use Shackleton's story this morning to simplify our transitional ministry. There are eight transitional goals, and of course we're still going to do them. But if we were to think outside the box, even on the transitional ministry, and reduce those eight down to three, the three that kept hope alive for Shackleton's men, I wonder what you think of these three. Number one, Shackleton modeled optimism. He described optimism as moral courage, and his optimism was contagious. 
And number two, I just love this one. He nurtured every person's sense of significance. He involved them by seeking their opinions and giving them tasks to make them feel part of the solution. And number three, he encouraged them with humor, promoted a lighthearted atmosphere. By lightening the mood, he neutralized the fear. He enabled the team to focus and re-energize and prevail over daunting obstacles. One of the items he made sure he rescued before that ship sank was a banjo. He knew that his people, his men, needed music. I can be transparent with you. I need you to help me to lead like that. Because leading like that with those three things doesn't really come naturally to my personality. But I also need all of us to be exactly the same. To be models of optimism. To nurture the significance of every person here. And to lighten the mood. Neutralize fear with humor and a lighthearted atmosphere. Anybody, anybody with me in that this morning? Would you join me? I see some oh, hands are going right up. Thank you so much. Those are already on the wall of my study here at Emmanuel, those three. Even his name, Shackleton, Jesus just removes the shackles and sets us free. He leads us, he helps us to focus and to re-energize and to prevail over daunting obstacles. Here again, Paul's words, encourage one another, build each other up. Here again, Jesus saying to us, love one another as much as I love you. But here again is caution, the idle words that we might speak. And of course, we cannot do any of this without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I believe we have to get intentional. As I said, none of, us, none of this comes naturally to me, doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. So some how-tos. Well, first of all, to encourage, I believe we first need to be encouraged. And sometimes we get nervous seeking encouragement from others because we want to be humble. In my era when I was growing up, at least in our family, uh, we were very careful not to give children too much praise. They might become proud. Even as adults, I remember one Mother's Day, I wasn't able to get home. I phoned my mother, and she went on and on and on about a gift that my sister had given her for Mother's Day. So then I phoned my sister, and my sister said, oh, Mom went on and on and on about the gift that you gave to her. So we had to compare notes. Our mother didn't want us to get too proud. <laughs> and yes, we have the love, and we have the mercy, and we have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again for us. But we need to keep developing that relationship with our Lord every day. And we need to develop relationships with one another in our church, in our community, where we live, where we study, where we work. So it's not selfish to start with ourselves, to seek out some encouragement. It's like being on the airplane where they say, put that, that mask on first in the event of an emergency, and then you're able to help someone else. We need to look for fans in the stands who will support us and cheer us on. We tell our teenagers to be careful of the company that they keep. So we need to keep people very intentionally around us who are Christians, positive people. Doesn't mean we don't go to many, many others, but keep going back to, to positive people who will encourage us and build us up. I think it's a bit old now, but there was an initiative in the schools a while back where they taught the children about having buckets and to find ways to get good words to fill their buckets and then to fill the buckets of the others. 
There's a beautiful verse in Philippians. Paul wrote it, Philippians 1, verse 6. God who began the good work within you will continue his good work until the day that it is finished when Christ returns. And for those of us who know that, we love that verse. It's our encouragement from God. He's at work in us. He won't give up on us. He will continue his work in us for the rest of our lives. But God isn't just doing that for you and for me. He's doing that for every person we rub shoulders with. Every person on every board and committee we sit on, Every person who is here on a Sunday morning beside us in a church service, every person in a Bible study or a program with us, and every person who has a different opinion from us, every person who has a different preference from us, every person who might be working out of a personal agenda, God is working a plan in their lives as well. We say God loves everybody. But here this list that describes how sometimes we get very choosy about who everybody might be, who we should help, who we should encourage. This list gives some responses to a person who has fallen into a pit and cannot get out. And you're allowed to laugh, even here in church this morning as I read this list. First you have the subjective person, the person with the big heart, comes along, sees the person in the pit, and says, oh, I feel for you down there. But then you have the objective person coming along and says, well, it's logical that eventually somebody would fall down into that pit. A Pharisee says only bad people fall into pits. The mathematician calculates how the individual fell into the pit. The news reporter wants an exclusive person, on the per uh, an exclusive story, rather, on the person down there in the pit. The fundamentalist says, you deserve your pit. The charismatic says, just confess that you're not in the pit. And the realist come along, comes along and says, that's a pit. <laughs> a geologist tells him to appreciate the rock strata in the pit. The Revenue Canada workers ask if he is paying taxes on this pit. And the county inspector wants to know if he's had a permit to dig the pit. <laughs> A self-pitying person comes along and says, you haven't seen anything until you've seen the pit that I'm in. But the optimist comes along and says, oh well, things could be worse. And the pessimist comes along and says, it's bad, but probably things are going to get worse than this. And Jesus, seeing the man, reaches down, takes him by the hand, and lifts him out of the pit. God loves everybody. Let's treat everybody as Jesus would treat them, encourage them and help them and take them by the hand and help to lift them up. Just two things before I close. Number one, does this mean that we're supposed to be fake? Go around saying all these flowery, encouraging words to people when we don't really mean it? No, not at all. People can see past our words if we're not being genuine. They'll see our body language, our facial expression, tone of voice, but let's be intentional in asking the Holy Spirit to help us to just see what is good about that person and find that thing and be genuine in expressing some encouragement to a person. I'm going to take a short rabbit trail here. And the leadership team asked me to give some information at the congregational meeting on Thursday night, and they've given me permission and asked me to repeat it here this morning. It's about pretending. 
And we said how we need to acknowledge here at Emmanuel that there are many emotions around the church plant of Groundswell. And we need to put those into three categories. We have people here who are really struggling with what is happening. But we have people here who are absolutely excited and they want to support it all the way. And we have people in the middle who are not there yet. They're trying to process it. So we've agreed that we have to not pretend. Because when we try to say all the right words and we're not really feeling them, our faces again, our, our body language are going to tell the truth on us. We need to give ourselves permission. We need to give one another permission to work this through. Many are receiving the Groundswell prayer line. A number are attending the Groundswell information nights. I had lunch with Tammy a week ago Friday. Many details that we want to try to work out in partnership. We don't have to pretend. A good friend of mine recently said to me, honesty works. Honesty with love and truth. I agree with him. So that's the end of that rabbit trail. Number two, quick statement. Remembering Jesus' words that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak, just in case we think we can get off the hook by not speaking anything, by not saying any of those words, Benjamin Franklin believed that Jesus was also saying we must give account for every idle word and every idle silence. He believed we are going to be called upon to give account for every word we should have said and did not, every idle silence. So what's your application from this this morning? Some homework, if you want to do it before we even leave here this morning. Before you leave, would you introduce yourself to someone that maybe you don't know very well? And you may be afraid that they've been coming here for the last two or three years. Don't say to them, are you new here? Just say, I don't think I've gotten to know you yet. My name is. And if we hear one another saying that, we're all in the same boat. We're trying this out. I don't think I've gotten to know you yet. Would you invite someone after this morning's service to Robertson Hall? You know, many people don't even realize that we have coffee and dessert over in Robertson Hall, that they're welcome, you are welcome, to stay. And maybe just walk into Robertson Hall and meet someone in there that you're not familiar with or you know their face and just say, I don't think I've gotten to know you yet. My name is... And will you express appreciation to someone soon? You could do this this morning again before you leave as well. We have so many people doing so much wonderful work here at Emmanuel. So let's start right here at home. The music led so beautifully this morning. The teachers who prepare lessons. The leaders who lead our boards and committees and prepare those agendas. This facility so beautifully kept and clean, sound and screen people, your bulletins, the list is long. Just say thank you to encourage someone this morning. But be intentional this week, all week long. Ask God to help you see someone that you need to encourage. Invite them under the elevator and lift them up. There is a saying that people go farther than they thought they could when someone else thinks that they can. So encourage one another, Build each other up. It's so biblical. Watch out for the idle words that might discourage. We will be held accountable. Jesus does not take that lightly. Love one another, he says. 
as I have loved you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can't do this on our own. The words just come out too quickly. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can begin a new work in us, and that's what we are praying for today. So work in our hearts, work in our lives. Transform us by changing the way that we think. But God, would you create in us clean hearts, renew in us right spirits. And we thank you. We know the joy that will come from us even obeying this command. And we ask that you'd help us to bring joy and encouragement to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.